0: Welcome to FASD. What's the crack with me, Scott, and her good lady self,
1: Maggie May? I thank you very much.
0: You're very welcome. I feel like I haven't seen you in ages. Well, I haven't seen you in ages. It has, hasn't I, it?
1: I believe a few congratulations are in order.
0: Oh, oh! I'm blushing.
1: Oh, oh, you are. He is blushing, audience members.
0: Yes, it's been quite the week, or weekend
1: you do spill the beans
0: well as you know i had a birthday
1: you did on uh, i believe friday the 13th
0: i know yes it happens quite regularly for me huh. believe it or not Fair <laughs> enough. every few years it comes around on friday the 13th um and as you know i was on holiday before that and you, yeah i you came are... back on the thursday morning Um, and went to my hotel because I flew back into the UK into Gatwick, went to my little tiny booth hotel um, and I was awakened at 4.58 in the morning to a lovely message telling me that my little granddaughter had been born 10 minutes
2: ago.
1: Congratulations Grandpa.
0: (laughs) Thank you Maggie. You're welcome. You're evil. I am. Um, Yeah and so it's been a very busy weekend because Tris uh, managed to get over by lunchtime. Well actually we were both, we were both, yeah it's a long story but anyway. She was June the 20th, um, and they had to induce her early because um, she wasn't grown as quickly as they would have hoped, or as big as she w- should have been. So they induced her um, on the 11th. Now, I, of course, was being very selfish and had all, everything crossed that she would be born on the 13th, but it was 12th, so the day before my birthday. So that was quite nice still, myself.
1: I saw. not you get two cakes.
0: Well, this is very true. Yeah, next year will yeah. be lovely celebrations, absolutely. Yeah. So, yeah. So, welcome to the world, April Grace. Oh,
1: gorgeous
0: yeah. name i know it's very strange as well because she uh, somebody pointed out to us she's the first female cast Rennie. Oh,
1: <laughs> wow oh <laughs> legends have been born
0: <laughs> it's just it's one of those weird things when somebody said it we we're like oh my god yeah, yeah. that's tr- oh, wow so yeah um so yes yeah, so busy weekend and of course because we don't Live in the UK, and that's where she lives. Obviously, we yeah. are trying to spend as much time with them as possible without uh, taking over, because you know they need time to sell and, and yeah. uh, get with it and stuff. So yeah, so thank you, Maggie. I really appreciate You're it. Welcome. So, any news or crack with you?
2: Um,
1: no. <laughs> uh, I don't
0: um, think. I've- didn't Ireland, didn't Ireland play rugby or something?
1: Oh, we did. And, oh, we were so close to winning. It oh, was very yeah. intense. Uh, mm. We lost, but we made a good effort.
0: Uh, so, From what I saw, yeah, I mean, you know me and sport, not really, well, obviously Jacob plays rugby, but I've not yeah. been there, so I've not, you know, I've not been kind of immersed in it. But it did look like they were they played well. or as They well played
1: as well. Um, I think what was really nice was just to see how Ireland all came together. I mean... Mm. I was up in Galway at a another event, but like all the pub bar, everything was just full of this. And you could just hear people like chanting and supporting. I was like, Mm. that's what Ireland's all about. It's just Uh, supporting, coming out in our numbers.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, nobody from the Irish rugby team is going to listen to us, but you know, well done lads. You did your best. You Um, never know. No, you never know. Um, Next time. That's, we always say next time, don't we? Everything like this. So, yeah. So in this episode, anyway, um, we have an interview coming up at the end um, with our local elected deputy. I think that's how you refer to it. think Violet Ann Wynn. So um, we all know Violet Ann um, reasonably well. She's been very supportive of FASDI. Yeah. And um, we had her on um, to, well, we interviewed her a couple of weeks ago um, to discuss her kind of um, journey through how she's learned about FASD and all that sort of mm. stuff. its really, really interesting. I know you haven't l- listened to it, Maggie, um, but when it's obviously, uh, when we put the edit together, I'll send it on to you because I think you'll be quite um, pleased with yeah, you know how she, I mean, we won't talk about the interview because people can listen to it, but just how she has developed in her own knowledge of FASD. And I was really impressed actually. So mm. yeah, so that's coming up. But in the meantime, it's been quite busy in the FASD world over September. Oh, it has. And just at the end of September, there was um, the FASD care study um, paper came out, which was written, sorry, there was a a bit of research done before it was written, (laughs) (laughs) but it was um, done with um, the Trinity College in Dublin, um, and it was done by Dr. Katie Tobin, who's quite prominent in FASD world in Ireland, Mm. um, and also Dr. Elizabeth McCarthy and Miss Anna-Marie Pavanon. I think I've pronounced that right. Hopefully, I have. They all—they're—they're they're all from Trinity College in Dublin, anyway. And it was kind of the first. I think it is the first
1: in Ireland. I think it is, isn't it? I think
0: it is. Yeah, and I mean, well, tell me your thoughts first of all, because I'm—I'm really interested to hear your your thoughts, because we haven't—we—we we genuinely, listener, have not spoken about yeah. this, so anything like this even, is, is wrong.
1: That a first. <laughs> I, I think it's really excited because you know the study was information was gathered I think about two years ago and so we've really been waiting and being really excited because like I said it's the first of its kind and I think after I've read it I think it really puts in black and white what parents and caregivers and foster parents and everyone has been saying for years but Mm -hmm. it's all in black and white it's actually you know backed up with um, really good information where it's not just word of mouth anymore it's concrete it is can't really argue with the facts um Mm. and i can really see how it would benefit for highlighting what work really does need to um still be happening but also it validates what parents have been having to deal with in relation to lack of support and what um where they really are struggling Mm.
0: So, and I think it's worthwhile saying that the study was, it was cross-sectional survey for for caregivers. So it wasn't people with FASD, but I mean, blimey, you know yourself in Ireland trying to find people with FASD. You know, there's there's not many of you that are kind of out in the open because, you know, either too young still or maybe don't know they have it yeah let's be honest about it um and it was a whole island as well wasn't it this was whole island yeah. um survey but interestingly 93 percent of the responses were from the republic of Ireland, which i think is quite interesting in terms yeah, of was, awareness yeah
1: yeah that was surprising me when i read that i was like okay yeah i mean
0: i mean geographically right i guess yeah and I, I guess geographically that's probably about right in terms of numbers maybe yeah I
1: don't i'm know. thinking so um
0: it was quite a small sample of, of um, respondents. So, I mean, there was only—I uh, say only—I'm I'm saying only in the sense that, as a first one, it's quite—it was reasonable. But it was 70 yeah. respondents, so I don't think we can sniff at 70. No, I think that's actually reasonably good. The aim was to get between 30 and 50, um, and I know we actually went out to all of our families, and you know, we 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 kind of sent it out to everybody that we knew of who who lived with FASD. But I think 70 is a reasonable count. Do you do you think as a first one?
1: I think as a first one, it really is. And I think also due to the nature of the topic, um, like we you just kind of alluded to, there's still a lot of unawareness when it comes to FASD. So I think compared to other countries where there's a lot more awareness and a lot more diagnosis is being made, I think, no, 70 is I was surprised. I was actually really impressed that mm. you know, with that amount.
0: Yeah, I agree with that. Um, and just talking about that there, because I mean, we'll put the a, a link to the um, report in the show notes, yeah. obviously, so people can read it. And it is, I mean, it's not massive. It's <laughs> it's readable, shall we yeah. say? Um, but I thought what was quite um, an interesting point was that, um just on the back of what you were saying there about awareness and stuff, seventy four percent of those that responded were diagnosed in Ireland. And we don't have any diagnostic pathway in Ireland. So (laughs) I'm a bit confused by that, I have to be honest. Um, But does that kind of, do you think um, that that kind of harks to the, (sighs) so in some areas there's quite a a deep knowledge about FASD Mm. and we know ourselves from hub calls and, you know, just general calls and stuff from GPs and stuff. How do I diagnose FASD? Do you think that, I don't want to say they don't have FUSD because I, I genuinely think yeah. that they probably have. But do you think those are 100 percent accurate diagnoses? And they've gone through the whole thing, so I'm not, I'm not putting you on same. the. Well, oh, I'm not no. putting you on the spot. That I'm just I'm I'm genuinely interested to, to.
1: I when I was looking at, I was surprised because, as you said, it is a there is no diagnostic pathway, so it is. Um, And so for me, I'd be really wanting, would be really interested to find out what years they were, Mm. because I know 15, 20 years ago, we had Dr. Ciarán O'Malley, who was giving diagnoses of FAT in Ireland. So it's uh, depending who got them from him and then who went through other uh, public ways of doing it. Um, But yeah, it was really interesting. I was like, okay, this is, I'd love to know a little bit more information of how they went about and actually what diagnostic methods were put into getting the diagnosis
0: yeah yeah so i've got it on the screen here and i'm just going to read through some of the kind of bits
1: fun bits <laughs> the fun info
0: so it's kind of there's a little bit of a uh Yeah, no, that's right. So, so where do you currently live? Republic of Ireland 92%, well 93%, Northern Ireland 7%, so that's the first part. So that was interesting. Um, And the, which of the following best describes your relationship to the person you care for? So adoptive parent was um, 35, 36%. Foster mother or father was 49%. But that would be typical for Ireland, wouldn't it? I think, you know, we don't have adoption isn't really um a massive thing well no. it is a massive thing in ireland but it's not as big as it is in other countries yeah. um biological parent one person responded which is fantastic yeah
2: 1.4
1: um,
0: percent. and when i say fantastic it's great that just one you know that one oh, yeah. did
1: i'd rather have one person one than, than no because yeah. it took so much courage for them Absolutely. to
0: Absolutely. yeah, yeah. Uh, step parent or partner of a child or a young person's parent don't know what that means um was 4.3 percent um an aunt and uncle 2.9 percent other relative in law 2.9 and then other was 4.3 so those other could be kinship carers i guess or maybe yeah. i don't know um although that would maybe come under aunt and uncle and stuff so it's yeah but i mean i guess now that we have this any future studies that are done we can compare it and just see how much awareness is being built over the you know over oh, yeah. the next months, years, however long. Um, some of the other uh data, sorry, I'm scrolling. Now this was this really was quite interesting from my perspective. Um 10 male respondents, 47 female respondents, and one would prefer not to say. So that's 17.2% were male respondents, 81% were female. And I think that's I, that didn't surprise me. I just thought it was really interesting because it is typical of. And bear in mind, there's probably two males in there that responded, who <laughs> 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 we know quite well. But I just thought it was. It, it struck me that you know um, this is still something that perhaps um, female caregivers and parents are probably more involved in than male caregivers.
1: Yeah, I. Would agree with that. I think usually the female caregivers have a lot more input most time when it comes to having to deal with the school or being home and having to deal with the behaviors at home. Um, So yeah, that one actually didn't surprise me. The numbers I was like, okay, that that adds up pretty.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Like I say, it didn't surprise me either, but yeah, yeah. it's still an interesting... Um, right, what else? There? I just thought there was, there was, I mean, like I say, we'll put it in the show notes so people can yeah. can read. Um, uh, the other thing was the most common comor- comorbidities, I'll stick my teeth in, we'll get that right.
1: Yeah.
0: The most common comorbidities. Mor- <laughs>
1: <laughs> you'll get there Scott, you'll get there.
0: The most common comorbidities, so ADHD had the highest, which I don't think I'm surprised at either. I'm not surprised. No. Um, attention deficit disorder, that came second. And then uh, um, ASD came third, which I think the ASD bit was...
1: That surprised me.
0: Yeah. I don't want to use the word questionable because I'm not a researcher and I'm certainly not a medical professional. But I do wonder if that is significant in terms of Ireland's relationship with ASD diagnosis. Um, I
1: I was surprised that it was so high up. I would have assumed from globally, um, usually ASD would be much further down the list of, it's more That's, rare to have a dual diagnosis of that.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, what else did we have? Um, so we had, um, some country, we had a cu- country breakdown of diagnoses. So where people were diagnosed and I think this is quite interesting. Um, and, um, so out of I think there 49 people answered this question. So this is a bit confusing really because, um, 32 people said the republic of ireland five said ireland but that could be referring to ireland as a whole rather than Mm. um kind of uh state kind of lines and stuff
2: yeah
0: northern ireland three the uk three and the usa three and other eu country three um i think that that's probably quite typical and and again not a surprise given you know some of the people that we talk to through the hub through the calls um people are often desperate to get a diagnosis so they will go for other countries and pay for it um quite a high cost actually um to do it in other eu countries um and uh what else i mean i could go through the whole report i'm not gonna because that would just be silly wouldn't it um because people want to read it for themselves as well um educationally though and that was interesting um 62 respondents reported that school staff did not understand FASD I thought that's actually lower than, I, I than what that. we hear
1: yeah
0: do you agree yeah
1: oh I agree um yeah. I know when I went to school they didn't get it at all
0: yeah so I, um, I do wonder if maybe that's because parents are being advocates parents and carers have been advocates for their children and actually going in and educating and being quite feisty with I think school the leaders the
1: term is bull in a china shop
0: oh okay right yeah well we'll go with that yeah i mean yeah. i i would like to think i'm not but you know <laughs> I, think,
1: I know my mum my mum was and you know she would really have to fight because teachers principals just wouldn't get it so yeah. she really had to you know every day was a new fight for her
0: yeah no, that's fair yeah so yeah um so all in, in all i think that it's really good start um yeah. and I mean massive kudos excuse me to Katie Tobin for sticking with it um and I know she's got a, a really big um interest in FASD and and mm-hmm. connected kind of stuff and what have you um and she's now off, off on maternity leave because I was hoping we could have her on um but hopefully next series we will get her yeah. back on when she comes back from um from maternity leave and we can kind of discuss it further um but I'm just looking at the kind of conclusion of it um and I will read this out as long as I've got my teeth in properly yeah. so the conclusion this study represents a pre- preliminary <laughs> fourth word analysis of the experiences of caregivers of people with FASD-9 in Ireland. More research is needed to further investigate the themes explored. The study findings echo what is already already known in other countries. FASD is complex and caregivers experience enormous stress, burden and financial strain. Diagnosis, early prevention, early interventions and prevention or management of secondary disabilities are urgently needed to improve outcomes for young people with FASD and their families. FASDs are a range of mostly preventable conditions affecting approximately 5% of young people in Ireland. 5%. 5%. See, mm-hmm. the third highest rate worldwide. Ireland is reported to have the highest rate of alcohol use in pregnancy globally, with low awareness of the implications and devastating outcomes. We hope that this, the results of this report will use, be, used, be of use to continue advocacy work in this area. So I think as a conclusion, I mean, there's some recommendations as well, which again, mm-hmm. you can read in the thing, I'm not going to read all them out, but um, I think as a conclusion that I, like you said earlier, it's now in black and white.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, um. Yeah.
1: And I think it also gives us as an organization really a starting point of, okay, what really stood out for me on that is what the whole education. And mm. like you said, you know, teachers don't get it. Yeah. So clearly more awareness of educating mainstream education and getting it really so that all teachers are FAC informed and we have FAC informed schools. Um. Yeah so that individuals can stay in school because absolutely. we all know that's the best outcome the longer yeah. in school
0: absolutely totally agree with that and i mean you know if you're interested and you're a teacher or an sna or a Senko, you can always come along to our free workshops fasd in the classroom information on our website fasd forward slash workshops just a little plug there mm. um, So before we finish, I just, I, I, there was some additional quotes from caregivers and I thought that actually these, I think we need to read these out because we hear so much negative stuff about FASD and I know Maggie that you pick up on that quite a lot as someone with FASD. Um, but there were some lovely quotes on the end. Um, it's, it's on, um, uh, page tell I'm working on a different computer today because I can't work out. Anyway, it's near the end of the report <laughs> and it's, um, it says additional quotes from caregivers. So the first one is, our daughter is a joy. She has so many strengths and gifts. And that was a quote from one care- caregiver. Mm. The second one says, my daughter has this awful disorder, but she's, she is funny, caring, joyful and beautiful. Uh, the third one says, I love both my children and will continue to care for them as long as I am able. And the last one says, we love him and we couldn't imagine life without him. And I think that that is really, I think once you understand the condition, you learn how to help your young person to be as successful as possible and you advocate for them. I think that those are probably, they're probably achievable goals. Yeah. But at the beginning, when you don't know what it is and you don't understand it, I think that's, that's an issue.
1: That's a huge issue, but I, I think those Additional quotes are lovely because it's it's seeing the strength in the individuals of, you know, we have caring, joyful, and beautiful. It's uh it's looking past the disability and actually seeing the individual and seeing their amazing ability to have strength and to be able to succeed.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. And I I know because there was um we talked about this a couple of weeks ago, didn't we? before I went off in my jollies um, mm. about some of the negative stuff that's been said recently, um, whether it be on platforms or you know wherever, even in kind of written stuff as well. And I think that I I came into FASD not knowing much about it, obviously. In fact, it was on my Facebook memories um, the other day, I think it was 2015, I attended my first ever FASD training session. And Aww. I was a helper. So I wasn't delivering it. I wasn't there yeah. as a parent, but I was, I was I was. a helper. I think it was when I worked for Adoption UK and it was one of the training courses that they did. And actually, I, I wish I'd screenshot it actually because I wouldn't be able to find it typically. But um, I actually said, I have so much respect for those, bearing in mind it was for FASD caregivers. I have so much respect for those caring for a child or a young person with FASD because, you know, again, a lot of the negatives come out in the training that you deliver because yeah. actually that's, what people are I guess looking for but actually we have to start looking at the positives of the achievements you know you as an example global sensation superstar I try in the FSD world um you know I think about Jacob and how you know he's reached 17 fingers crossed he'll be able to learn to drive you know he's into his rugby he's very successful at that and he wants to go to university and you know it's all those kinds of things that we have to celebrate but- yes your room might be a kip and you know you might have I don't know you've been overflowing for six weeks and you know rotten food everywhere
1: science experiments (laughs) only a few
0: yeah coffee cups with like big thick
1: yeah like ecosystems
0: actually you know what is in the grand scheme of things you know I'm doing pretty
1: okay
0: yeah and and just being a little bit more positive about it and, and some of the outcomes might actually yeah, it just might help young people it's who not, have yeah, FASD. It's not going to, to do any harm. Yeah, whereas if you're constantly being told you're bad or you, you can't do something or you, you know, that, that must, well, it will it'll affect your self-esteem and, and all that stuff.
1: Oh, it, I also think that when young people, in, or just, they internalise it, and very mm. often if you get if you hear it often enough from everywhere, from school or from home or from friends or yeah. from relatives, you start to believe it that you are what's being said about you. Um yeah. And like I said, I've actually seen a turn the last few years where we're actually moving away from the whole, you know, only focusing on negative, and actually focusing on strengths of individuals, or you know, celebrating the small achievements, yeah. and really embracing that it's two sides of a coin. Really,
0: absolutely. yeah, absolutely. So that's that. So we'll put the we'll put the um the link to, in the show notes for that um and yeah i think that's all we've got this week um unless you've got anything else maggie
1: no i suppose next uh episode i'm going to be a year older so uh that's oh, going to be an exciting birthday. one
0: yeah yeah my one yeah.
1: yeah it's my turn now your birthday's <laughs> over.
0: oh yeah okay yeah that is a whole day to be honest it was kind of it was non-event but I say it was non-eventful. I held a baby for most yeah. of the day. So it wasn't yeah, non-eventful. I think that's pretty eventful. Pretty cool. Yeah, exactly. Um yeah, so um right, so we will um this is October's episode, episode five. The next one will be the last in this series. Um whilst we work out what we've done right, what we've done wrong, who we need to speak to, who we, um, you know, what we need to do, et cetera, et cetera. But um, we've, we've yet to decide on what episode six is going to look like. I am going to try and get Tristan on because I think that actually we should re- have a review of FASD Ireland and see, you know, what, yeah. what we're up to, where we are and all that sort of stuff. Where we because, started,
1: where yeah. we are now, what's the future holding.
0: Exactly. Um, but for now, thank you dear your listener. Um, we appreciate you, um, spending the time with us. Um, like I said, Island.ie is our website, we're on all the socials, just search FASD Ireland. Um, And um, I do have a look at our workshops. Um, the education workshop is free for those who work in education. We've also got an introduction to FASD. And we will shortly be deciding on new dates for nonviolent resistance training as well. The first one happened yesterday, and it's rather good, actually, I have oh, to say. So exciting. yeah, um, but yeah, have a look at our website. It's all on there. Um, and coming up next is our interview with Violet Ann Wynn, local TD here in uh, County Clare. Thank you for listening. Thank you. Uh, have a fabulous month, Maggie.
1: Bye. Thank you.
2: Welcome to being a grandpa. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I am with Rob today. Well, I'm not with Rob today, but Rob is here today. Are you all right, Rob?
2: I'm here over the 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 Wi Fi yeah
0: over the, the Wi Fi yeah and, and where, are where are you where are you Rob
2: on the other side of the on the other side of Europe there eh? yeah I I'm in Croatia yeah. I was, was going to say here yesterday
0: don't give us your address because you might get like people No, knocking no on your door
2: <laughs> not yet
0: <laughs> <laughs> and and why um, are you there Rob
2: uh, um, starting Erasmus next week it's like study abroad Yeah. Um, a semester you have to do part of my course in a different mm. country. And um, so I'm over here in Zadar, uh, and it was a small enough city, but I, I kind of, I'd say it's a bit similar to the likes of Galway or something like that. You know, okay, a city around that size um, and yeah. pretty all kind of close in together. And um, it's cool so far, nice mid 20 degrees here now today. Yeah,
0: okay. yeah, yeah. Like we mm-hmm. needed to know that. Thanks for that. <laughs> I'm glad you explained what Erasmus was because I think that because um, we do get some listeners in the UK, obviously, as a result of where the platform is. Um, and we were talking about it the other day, and um, I understand that it's not available in the UK anymore because obviously left EU. So yeah,
2: <laughs> it's it's an EU funded program for colleges. Yeah. So. But there's uh-huh.
0: apparently a lot of people not very happy about that. Well, I guess that's what happens when you vote to leave the EU. I you mean, know? just mm-hmm. just saying. <laughs> I don't know. Um, anyway, we we do have a guest today, and um, we're delighted actually to have. I think is this our first guest apart from Jacob? Yeah, because our first podcast was just an introduction. Then we had Jacob, and now so you are our first guest, wow. Violet, Violet and Wynne, who is our local elected deputy i don't know if that's the right phrase to use but you'll introduce yourself in a minute um you've um, agreed to join us today so thank you so much for coming on we really appreciate it and to have um somebody who's been elected to represent um the people of Clare. um actually i'm quite impressed with myself for getting you on. so <laughs> go me um so yeah so thank you for coming on um do you want to give yourself a bit of an introduction so people know who you are and um yeah
3: yeah sure yeah, so I'm Violet Ann Wynn. I'm the independent TD for Clare, I am a mother of six children um, and what else now can I say about myself? Probably a lot but um, <laughs> we might just leave it with that for the <laughs> moment.
0: <laughs> I think when you said six children, I think that's that's, that's way more than, yeah, uh, anyway. Um, I was, was going to say something really disrespectful there about getting a television but clearly that's... Um, <laughs> That's an old joke, isn't
3: it? Um, I, I surprisingly hear it quite a lot. <laughs> <laughs> so,
0: so, Thank you for that. Um, it just made myself look like a right fool. Um, but, um, well, even having six kids, I mean, that's like, you know, a thing, isn't it? Six, six children is a lot. That's a lot of... A lot of children to look yeah. after and to take care of and i'm sure that you've definitely got some life experience and and they like most of us have who you know are involved in the fasd community so um but w- so we've got some questions for you and hopefully um we can kind of get through them all um and i'm going to ask the first one anyway um because just because i put my name on the on the on the page so um we're obviously been working alongside you and and Various ways for for quite a while. the, The first question that came to my mind was, what what was it that made you become more interested in FASD and FASD Ireland?
3: Yeah, so um, I love the easy questions to start off with. <laughs> thank you very much, uh, Scott, and I just want to thank you. Um, I suppose all of you in FASD Ireland for the invitation to to take part in the first ever um, uh, podcast where you had guests. So I feel hugely privileged for that as well. Um, and I know as well that your podcast is much loved. So well done on all the great work that you guys have have been doing for the last. Um, two and a half years on, on all of that, on all of what you have achieved thus far. Um, I can say that I first heard from, about FASD, and that was through my studies. I completed my degree in psychology from Trinity College Dublin in 2009, but. It was not until I made contact with yourselves or you guys reached out to me, shall I say, um, Scott and Tristan in the first instance, that I became so familiar with FASD and the challenges that those who have FASD face. Um, and their families so I suppose I've you guys to thank uh, for what I do know now about FASD um, and all of that of what I have learned and the information that I've received since even just making contact w- with yourselves so um, yeah it's mainly thanks to you guys.
0: Mm. I didn't know you had a degree in psychology there you go see <laughs> learning something new you didn't have to intro that but it just came into the conversation so yeah, it's cool.
2: Yeah I was just thinking that you um, I kind of when i first met you well it was actually there in the office and it was that time when I remember there was a meeting which there i think senator martin colman was there and um was the other one we're upstairs I oh, Cal, Cal but, um, yeah, uh, yeah call pro it was and uh so you are, I was kind of seeing you as being kind of heavily involved with FASD Ireland and, you know, Tristan and Scott used to be talking about you and that. and um But I didn't really know, like, I went to ask, what was your knowledge of FASD before kind of getting involved with us? Like you mentioned the, the having the degree in psychology, but to what extent did you kind of learn about it or, or hear about FASD through that?
3: yeah thanks Rob um well look I suppose I can honestly say that my knowledge was absolutely limited I knew only that it was a condition that affected the baby's development um, and that it was as a result of alcohol intake during the pregnancy but it wasn't something that um that was spoken about really in in conversations or in the wider public I mean uh, as I said, I was a mother of, of six and I'd never given it too much thought, only from what um I had learned in, in, in uh, well, we touched on it um in my degree and that was it. Um, But I really did not have much of a greater knowledge or, or any kind of experience of it as well, I suppose, just to say that, because, you know, while you're going through pregnancies and going to hospital appointments, GPs, all of this kind of stuff, it just wasn't something that... Was ever um discussed in in any kind of conversation um so like now that i have learned so much um, from working with the whole team uh, scott tristan maggie may and, and robbie um, i realize now looking back that i had absolutely no uh, real knowledge and no absolutely no experience whatsoever and um, so I, I didn't know anybody who was affected i didn't know anybody that um That knew anybody that was affected either. So, and even if they did, it wasn't something that people would feel comfortable um talking about. So, I suppose that was that was something I suppose that kind of really stands out to me um in all of that experience. As you say, like from uh, having the babies and everything else, it was something that never never popped up.
0: Yeah, I think that's really interesting, And, and especially you know that not putting an emphasis on the fact that you've had six pregnancies, but you've had six pregnancies and it was never kind of mentioned at any point. You know, I'm not, not because you were drinking through pregnancy or in, I'm not what I'm saying, but I'm just saying, yeah. you know, for that not to be something that's in, I don't know what yeah. you get here, a pack. I don't know if this is how you have your baby. This is what you should do. This is what, I don't know how it works, but it certainly you would think that there'd be some kind of, you know, some form of um, information or, you know, even just a leaflet or a pamphlet that would say, you know, these are the things that could affect how your pregnancy goes. You know, yeah, we used yeah. to concentrate on smoking, didn't we? Like maybe 20 years ago, smoking was, you know, became bad for everybody, obviously, but even more so if you were pregnant.
3: Yeah, absolutely. And that is something that is talked about quite often is um, about smoking during pregnancy, but never really um, any kind of in, uh, like conversations about alcohol intake mm. or or anything like that. So, yeah.
2: Yeah. Yeah, and it is something true to true to hope kind of you. hear come up quite a bit, Scott. When you like about um mothers and stuff, not even have been told anything about the effects alcohol can have. True pregnancy, it is kind of a bit mental to think. Really, like it's kind of just highlights like where do where do we really stand in Ireland in relation to FSD, which which was something we did want to ask you, Violet. It's like you yourself as as a politician, like where do you think? Realistically, Ireland stands on FASD at the moment.
3: Yeah, that's a really good question, Rob. Um, in some ways, it's hard to know. I I did put down a number of parliamentary questions to the Minister for Health over the last year and. And like despite asking questions about advice, health care, treatment and support of FASD, I only ever received the same carbon copy reply from um, actually the mother and baby division about prevention um, to many of those questions. And it was only through taking up the issue directly with the Minister for Health that I started to receive Um, better replies, so to speak, from another section in the department, the General Manager of National Mental Health Services. Um, He wrote back to me uh, to tell me, uh, and I quote, there are no dedicated mental health supports for adults in Ireland diagnosed with foetal alcohol spectrum disorder, disability, primary care, pediatric services and mental health are all involved in the provision of services for children and adults with FASD in Ireland. So like that, like it doesn't speak in any more depth than that. Um, It doesn't mention anything in relation to care, medication, um, advice or support etc Um. other than that it, you know and so i was really just dis- deeply disappointed um with all of the responses received to date um, and then i met with the ceo of the hsc bernard gloucester in july i raised this reply directly with him and highlighted some of the Fantastic work that your team do here, um, from the premises in Ennis, and he he was really really impressed. Um, having previously run Tuzle the Child and Family Agency, he would certainly be more across the area of FASD than much of the public sector would be. And he engaged fully with me on the discussion. Um, and I would hope that he would um, be able to meet with you guys in, in the very near future. He was highly interested. Um, I can say that much from, from my meeting with him about the work that you guys do and, and where you've um, the work that you have done up to date as well.
0: Mm. Yeah, it's interesting having him come in to the HSE after being at Tusla because obviously, you know, they are dealing with, well, they're d- dealing with like the, ch- the children who are affected by this, not just by, you know, alcohol, but also like, you know, neglect and abuse and all that sort of stuff as well. So I think it's really, really interesting that they've appointed somebody like him who has actually got that background. And I think that can only work well in terms of, you know, helping. FAS, the FASD community, um, if the HSE actually actively kind of engages now rather than just, you know, like you say, these carbon copy replies are just like there's, you know, obviously we've seen the ones that you've submitted and the yeah. ones that other TDs have submitted as well. And some of the responses are just, I, they made me laugh because it's just like, oh, oh! Did you, did you just copy and paste that? You know, it, ju- it,
2: just see, and it just seems they're trying, just trying to constantly pin it to somebody else, like the mm. different sector here, a different sector. There. But you can't really do it with FSD. So it is good to have somebody like Bernard Gloucester who's been in both kind of sides, like because FSD does affect like so much more. It doesn't just affect it after children, but then it also affects like the children that will be. Hmm. You need to go to CAMS, and to yeah. deal with the HSE as they get older. So to have a bit more of a kind of an umbrella approach to could could be good, like and it is good to have his attention now mm. on, on the matters.
0: And I was just gonna say, I mean, your your interest doesn't just lie within like with FASD. I mean, you're very passionate about CAMS as well, and you've spoken publicly about that as well. And and you know, there's kind of for those that don't know much about CAMS, what what, what is the current situation with CAMs if you are able In to share. specifically well yeah i mean you know that as an example yeah
3: yeah, well, I think we've seen um, you know, the commissioner's report and that highlighted a number of deficits within the, the CAM structures, um, especially in the CHO3 area, which is where um, our county, Clare, falls under. And so like at the start of last year, we've seen that there was 140 children who just got forgotten about. They got lost and had received no follow-up care, for example. Um, and that's probably the most stark example now. They did discover their own issue um, and highlight that before uh, the the mental health commissioner had to, which was, I suppose, the only positive in the whole situation. But um, it's pretty dire in in County Clare in respect of resources, for example. So, like we're supposed to have an additional two teams um, for the the CHO3 area, and they're still not in place now at this point in time. Um, And I'm also arguing for a need for West. Clear team as well to be added to that so that's a third team in my eyes that's needed to be mm-hmm. able to ensure that access to mental health supports for children and young adults um is uh, realized i suppose and, and made a reality because at this point now especially off the back of covid there are so many young people who are who are suffering um and aren't able to cope uh, on a daily basis and so they definitely do need as much support now rather than later um as we know early uh, prevention or early intervention is the best prevention really mm. I um so yeah so it's it's a big issue for for claire um in terms of of getting it up there um because i suppose it's people in dublin who make these decisions so getting them to to really focus in on claire now uh, especially in light of the 140 that were lost last year you know is definitely it has to be their priority going forward
0: yeah and I think the CAMS system itself is probably a little bit kind of uh, needs updating, should we say, uh, in some ways, doesn't it? I mean, I know from my experience of CAMS, because I've experienced CAMS in the UK as well as here. Mm-hmm. And when we first moved here, Claire seemed to be really good, <laughs> which obviously has changed. Um, but of course, there's then that kind of transition to adulthood as well, isn't it? So, you mm-hmm. know, as you reach a certain age, CAMS is no longer responsible for you. You become an adult, but you still got the same issues you had before you were 18. And yet there's, you kind of drop off the, the edge
3: yeah it's a major gap um with with the whole mental health services and uh, support services and the fact that there isn't that kind of transitional process um available to those who turn 18 because as you say it's not a case that they reach 18 and all of a sudden then whatever issues and difficulties they were having are now gone um if anything it's i suppose probably even more difficult at that stage of your life because you don't know what you're going to be doing next and Mm. all doors um kind of seem open but some seem close as well to some people so um yeah that's an absolute gap in the mental health support services 100 and um you know that's been raised uh you know high up and low down so they are aware of that issue it's it's just about getting i suppose a necessary work done to to ensure that people are transitioned uh, and that whole process is made easier
0: yeah so I feel like we've probably touched on this next question a little bit within that, bit, but it's yeah. worth it's worth it's worth investigating with you. Um, so what do you what do you believe is the main barrier to people seeking a diagnosis of FASD and Ireland? Because we know that there is no pathway, but what do you, what, what do you consider to be the the, yeah. the one of the reasons or any of the reasons for that? I guess.
3: Yeah, it's a really good question. Um, and I think, like, there are many barriers. Uh, but just to start off with, I think the first one has to be the stigma. Um, it has to be the number one barrier, without a doubt. I think people are too afraid um, of finger pointing and blame games, so to speak, that may attribute this. Um, kind of condition and uh, I do think that that is a huge concern if people don't feel comfortable and don't feel like they can come forward they won't mm-hmm. um so for me we we do need uh, to do a lot of work around reducing the stigma that is associated with the condition I mean we know that unplanned pregnancies still happen um, and then we know that there are those who aren't even aware that they are pregnant for a period of time um and it can be different for for all uh Pregnancy, so. We have to bear that in mind, I think, as well. And um, so for me, it's about making sure that people feel comfortable coming forward and asking for the necessary supports and services that they may require. um, And they need to be able to reach out to them. The the more awareness that we have, the better, uh, as we should not have a situation where, you know, mothers um, are worrying and alone and isolated from the support that they need. Um, And the only way to ensure that people feel comfortable is for the HSE to run awareness campaigns. So that has to be um, their first priority in my eyes. Um, but we also have to mention at this point that currently the HSE have advised that the prevalence and epidemiology of FASD is unknown. Um, and the reason why it's unknown is because we lack a register of persons with neurodevelopmental disorders in Ireland, which is a major obstacle um, in, in, in terms of being able to understand Uh, fully I suppose how many um, have FASD and uh, I suppose until we have those figures and until we have that definitive number um, you know there is no way to quantify the exact kind of supports that is needed so that is detrimental to um, uh, I suppose everything to do with FASD Ireland Um, and I know that it is considered a hidden disability by virtue and because of that um, most people who are subsequently seen to have FASD have no outward signs of disability and that can make diagnosis very difficult um but what we do know is that the predicted prevalence in ireland is 4.75% which would put ireland as the third highest in the world so that's massive um so i think the fact that we are here where we are now um in terms of what we 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 do know is is still very limited um in in the wider public and that has to change
0: mm. i like that yeah
2: yeah you touched on you touched on both kind of things there about the support too like and it, it is it is kind of important that like pa- parents and women are and feel feel that it's like i don't know normal is the right word, but like that you can reach out to these like organizations like FASD ireland or the hsc when you're looking for a diagnosis and um, like how 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 do you think you could make this easier? Like, is it just truly like just totally true, uh, raising awareness and or like how how what do you think we should be doing to support yeah and those living with FSC?
3: Well, the first thing has to be awareness, and um, that will do t- two things. That will obviously provide um the the public with the the right information that they need, um, and you know probably getting rid of some of the stereotypical um anecdotal ideas that we have uh, in our heads currently without the the proper information about FASD. And then secondly, the other thing that it will do is it will normalize the conversation around FASD, which and that's that, that's probably the most important thing that we can do is to normalize the conversations around FASD. So that people are talking about it and that people um, are exchanging views about it. And um, I think from that, then from it being in the, the national discourse, then you know there will be an, a level of acceptability that will come with that that is absolutely necessary for us to be able to move forward. So you know FASD um, can happen and has happened and that's a reality but it's it's what we do with that reality instead of ignoring it and pretending that it exists we need to be able to embrace it and be able to support those who um are impacted by it um and until we get there you know we're we're fighting a losing battle i think
0: yeah i think you're right and um i mean i i guess um maybe an unfair question i don't know but what would you like to see? In the next five years related to FASD what, what would you know I'm, I was going to say 10 but I think that's too long yeah yeah <laughs> um, no
3: no I appreciate that and I have to say you know you guys um I, I may not have said this already but the four of you in particular Scott Tristan Robbie and Maggie May the the work um and the time and and the effort that you guys have put into um all, all of what you have been able to achieve. Uh, up until this point and now that it is FASD uh, Hub uh, Ireland and all of that kind of stuff I think it's um, been very inspirational for me to to watch you guys work um, and to be linked in with you here and there throughout the process as well, because the tenacity that you guys have shown um, through COVID and everything else um, has just been, uh, I suppose, incredible for me to to be a, a bystander and, and kind of see um, how it has evolved. So I just wanted to say that as well. And in terms of supporting those living with FASD and what I want to see in the next five years, and um, Um, Okay, so early last spring, I commissioned a piece of research from the Oireachtas Library and Research Service with respect to how some of our contemporaries deal with the area of FASD and what the Irish approach looks like um, in comparison, I suppose. Unfortunately, I was incredibly disappointed to read that. All 13 of the proposed HSE actions were focused around the area of prevention. And, like, while I welcome and support harm reduction methods, that does nothing for the the 600 Irish babies who are born with FASD every year. If we look at the approaches of three countries um, that seem to be providing the most advanced response and framework for FASD, we can see from the likes of Australia and the United States that they are as concerned with management and treatment across the lifespan as prevention. Um, And then from the likes of Canada, they actually have a 1.5 million fund for strategic projects with respect to FASD. Uh, and these projects deal with everything from prevention to stigma reduction and building support and capacity, which are really, really important. Um, I would strongly be pushing the Minister and the HSE to establish a similar fund here in order to better support the outstanding work that you guys are doing here to support families and clinicians. I was delighted to host you in uh, Leinster House, where you delivered a fantastic presentation for my octus colleagues. Um, and that was to better inform them on how they can support constituents with FASD, which I also think was incredibly important. Um, and I think that, you know, in, in the great scheme of things, we should really be rolling out a national program for awareness for all the ROCTIS members and councillors, as well as the HSE, TUSLA, and all education settings. And um, I believe that you should be leading out on that work as well as having a place at the table when the HSE and are making decisions relevant to, to people with FASD. So I think that that would be the first few steps that I would take in getting you guys at that table and um, ensuring that there is that register uh, of people and persons with neurodevelopmental uh, disorders um, and uh, rolling out as many awareness campaigns and support services that are possible. <laughs> I think that's, that's, that's the place we need to be moving into as quickly as possible
0: there's a couple of things in there really one is thank you for the introduction and for um acknowledging the work we do we didn't pay you to say that just to be no. very clear in case anybody thinks <laughs> <that we did. laughs> um but thank you for that um and i think that actually you're bang on there's so much investment in other countries you know even if you look at look just over the irish sea into the uk you know we know a lot about the fasd stuff but they're 20 years ahead ahead of us in terms of what they get but even then there's still no kind of proper funding for for this and i think that's probably my biggest complaint about these kind of um these um communities if you like we we always end up having to do stuff for ourselves to begin with until we you know can bang the drum loud enough to get recognized and for it to be understood that it's not just affecting one or two families it's you know it's 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 affecting more than that so yeah yeah, I think um you know I'd love to see all that that would be amazing in the next five years yeah Rob will have to come back and work for us because we'll be too busy
3: (laughs) absolutely yeah no gallivanting on the, no, yeah,
0: the, the, the proposals
3: are already being made aren't they
0: that's right that's right for me, yeah absolutely well i know yeah i mean i don't know about you rob but i i i um find that fascinating to be honest and, and i think what i'm also fascinated about is the fact that you've taken such a Keen interest in it. I mean, probably to do with the fact that you know we're constantly emailing you asking you to do things for us. But at the same time, you've 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 kind of educated yourself, and I know that your team as well um, know about FASD now as well. So you know, there's like four or five people who didn't know about FASD until we had a conversation with you. So you know, that's like, and that then rolls out, doesn't it? Because. Yeah. Uh, I guess, you know, talk to friends, talk to family, stuff like that. Oh, does that affect people like that? Oh, I never knew that, you know, from the days where the Guinness was, you know, given to, you know, a a mum who might have, you know, an iron deficiency or something like that. But, you know, maybe half a pint of Guinness might, might have been deemed to be okay back then. But, you know, certainly we know now that it kind of can have an impact. So.
3: Absolutely. And um, I'm glad you mentioned my team because you're right. They have uh, been just as interested, I suppose, in all of this work as well and as passionate. Um, And that's thanks to you guys again, I suppose, (laughs) because yes, I do receive emails from you guys because you are so passionate On this very issue and ensuring that progress is made because I think you are fully aware of how slow it can be Mm -hmm. um, in trying to build momentum as well uh, on trying to get that necessary pressure on governments to be able to I suppose, make commitments um, like that. We would be looking for that similar fund to what Canada have over there because until we have designated funding um, for FASD in its own right, you know, uh, we won't be making much headway, I suppose, mm. is the best way to say that. Um, so yes, you're right as well about the conversations because I know that um, when my team... Um, I th- I'm nearly sure myself and some of my team anyway turned up to the presentation but even just through social media pictures I've had even other members of the oroctus who you know have pulled me aside and said you know I seen you were with FASD what's that about and it was a great icebreaker for for people once they can see something that's uh, maybe real time so if they see yeah somebody associated with a picture, they feel more comfortable to approach you and ask you what's it about and get that kind of one-to-one conversation going and get that information out there. And it's been very helpful in in that regard, even in in County Clare uh, and people recognizing myself standing with you guys on many occasions. So, um, and that's what I think is uh, is going to be the most beneficial is that kind of on the ground conversation between people um to to get a better understanding of what FASD actually is and and how it impacts on, on people and right. their families.
0: Yeah. yeah and it's definitely hard work on the legs having to do all that but there you go that's life in it. <laughs> Rob have you got anything think... else you would like to ask or comment on before we thank Violet for um, her time.
2: Just one thing I just kind of just out to me and I think it works really well it's like obviously I worked with yourself and Tristan and Maggie for like six months Scott and kind of got to know you very well in that but whenever we met Violet it was always kind of it kind of was in my head that like y- your views and that like can th- they align with FAC Ireland very well which is like it's it's great to have um, and like the knowledge that yourself and your team have like and um, i suppose learned yourselves from your own tr- your research and whatever else and um, it's very beneficial and just talking to you and other people through this podcast i, I kind of am hoping that like that is a way too that we can kind of break down them stereotypes and like make it all a little bit easier for those who are kind of who are who are living with fsd or um who are diagnosed who aren't diagnosed doesn't really matter because it still has to be done and uh talking to people like yourself really really helps us do that and uh i'm quite thankful for that so yeah
3: well it's been an absolute pleasure every time um working with you talking with you Anything to do with the work that you use, that you guys are doing, um, is always always leaves me with a good feeling, you know, because you feel like you're making a bit of a difference, even if it's small steps, um, until those giant steps can be taken. Absolutely, yeah, that's
2: how that's how I felt every day sitting
3: there, sitting on that chair behind Scott. There,
0: like, <laughs> <laughs> look, he's not there. No. Look, yeah, yeah.
3: <laughs> feeling a bit homesick now in the first few days, I'd say uh i don't know
2: more boredom really yeah he's
0: only been there 24 hours and he's bored already
3: Yeah,
2: I, I haven't started college yet so i'm just kind of on a holiday and i don't know what to do on holiday by myself it's kind of like...
0: <laughs> i'll send you a list of stuff to do later then there's, yeah. some more, yeah. there's some more we've got if you've got a laptop i could do with some grant okay. applications being done and stuff
2: yeah. i do have the laptop over here actually yeah
3: there you go now you're you're booked up for the next week until least your erasmus course starts (laughs) Yeah, yeah
0: absolutely yeah well listen violet thank you so much for coming on we really appreciate it and just the fact that you know like i said earlier you know you've really kind of um informed and educated yourself on on not just the condition but also how it affects people and i know you know you've you've chatted to maggie you know your team have chatted to maggie um jacob as well um which is always a delight i'm sure um yeah. we need to sometimes but you know um but i just think uh, to have that interest we are so grateful for for you for you and your team to have that interest in, in us as an organization and yes it might seem a bit biased to have you on but i think that it's really important that you know maybe other elected representatives who might listen to this might go actually do you know what this is something that we can get behind as well because i think that's part of the awareness isn't it is making sure that people like yourself in the position that you're in are aware that there's there's more conditions yeah, out trying there to than bring
2: that. everyone in as well like yeah. to bring <laughs> get yeah, a bigger that, that- community
3: yeah. that would be great i mean the more and more public figures who can um you know speak on this issue in particular as well will make it easier for for other people to to talk about it too so i do think that you know we should be leading the way on that front so if mm-hmm. if any elected representatives can do something like this like this podcast they should absolutely consider doing it because as i said you know we need to be leading the way and showing i suppose you know that it's okay to have these conversations and it's a it's okay to to have someone in your family who has fasd and it's okay um, and we just need to to now look towards well, what will make lives better for for them because it's it's those people who have gone on all these years now without the necessary support and services that they have needed so i mean we really need to acknowledge that i suppose at this point as well so thank you very thank much you. for having me on no I'm you're very welcome thank experience. you yeah thank you thank
0: you